Hello and welcome to episode one of the What Next Legion United podcast. I'm your host LB and yeah, it's essentially going to be a podcast that doesn't have a face cam, but I recommend, you know, if you're listening on YouTube, Spotify, whatever, just put it on, uh, just minimise it, open up Football Manager, FIFA, whatever you feel like, and uh, just listen, see if you enjoy it, and if you do, hopefully you can... uh, stop by again for episode two we're going to be doing that or i'm going to be doing an episode every monday wednesday and friday uh so yeah it's going to be pretty consistent pretty regular episodes but without further ado we can get straight into it so basically i'm lb i'm a football analyst uh enrolled in an fa coaching program and um, i'm also a student uh studying sports journalism so uh yeah <laughs> we're going to go over the senior squad players and whether We'd start bench or... I keep saying we, I mean I, of course. But we're going to go over the senior players and say whether we'd start bench or sell them and why. Uh, So I've got a big list here of every player in the squad. Um, And we do want to get... Or I, again, keep saying we. I do want to get your guys' opinions on this. So I've started a thread on Twitter. I'll link that in the description. Or you can just check out the Twitter, which is whatnext... Or at whatnextlufc. And uh, you can copy the template and tell me whether you would start bench, sell, or loan each of the players. Um, And even you could say why if i mean if it doesn't take up the character limit on twitter but yeah should be fun should be good i will make sure to to read every single one of them that you guys submit because that's what this is about really i don't just want to sit here give give my takes and that be it um i'm very interested in discussion conversation disagreements um arguing you know why why we think we're right who's wrong and uh, just open discussion non-toxic discussion i love having disagreements talking about them expanding on them um getting everyone's opinion on things and it gives you a deeper sort of perspective and football is subjective it's it's a game of opinions and yeah i, I mean i know there's a lot of people who when we disagree with people a lot of people can sometimes you know it, it can turn abusive or like uh, people who have different opinions dislike each other but not for me at all uh, if you disagree with anything i say or uh, have have your own takes opinions please put them in the comments put them on on twitter or whatever and uh, i'll maybe it can be a good talking point for the for the next episode i suppose so getting straight into it we'll start off from the back we've got our goalkeepers the three goalkeepers in the squad currently akasia melier and Clarsen. Who would I start? Who would I bench? Who would I loan? Who would I sell? Uh, starting off, we'll start with Kiko Kassir. Sell straight up. I don't think much needs to be said about that, really. Um, off the field issues, or I suppose on the field issues, with uh, I'm sure everyone's aware of the accusation made against him um, and the fact that he's pretty crap anyway on the field. I mean, he's, he's hardly been a good player. He, he had a terrible loan spell out in Spain. So, yeah, for me, sell. Just get rid of him. However, we can get him off the books. Get him off the books and... Uh, yeah, <laughs> hopefully uh, hopefully he'll be elsewhere by the start of the season, which is coming thick and fast. But next on the list is Melier. It will be a start for me. I have a lot of confidence in Melier. I think he's a really good keeper, very young, lots of potential. I think he's got better distribution that, than he's let on. Um, I think he was poor last season in terms of distribution, but... I have been impressed overall. I think a lot of goalkeepers can't do what he does, um, especially in the system he's been playing. There was a lot of reliance on him. He was almost used as a comfort blanket in a lot of situations where sort of... Uh, I've noticed that Llorente goes back to the goalkeeper a lot, probably more than he should do, in my opinion. Um, but I think Melier does well with uh, the situations he finds himself in. He had one major blunder against Arsenal, um, Eddie and Ketia, you know, when he, he he took an extra... Well, Melier took an extra touch and, and Ketia stole it from him and scored. Uh, which is obviously poor, but he's a young goalkeeper, only only getting better. And I do think his distribution is 
it's decent, it's adequate. I think he's got better distribution than a lot of goalkeepers. The issue is he's just trying more complicated things, while a lot of goalkeepers might just lump it forward, smash it forward down the middle. Uh, Melier was forced to try pass it out the back, to try uh, pick intricate passes out to, uh, especially under Bielsa, that he liked the sort of long pass from from the box into onto that left side or right side. It was sort of a dinked medium length ball I'm sure you guys know the ball I'm referring to where the winger hooked the touchline and Melier would have to try ping a pass out to them which very often resulted in a throw in for the opposition but again not a lot of goalkeepers can play that pass and I think Melier is above average in regards to that he just has a harder role than most goalkeepers in the Premier League um, aside from the sort of elite ones you know your Edisons, Allisons, etc um, but next on the list we've got Klaassen I suppose bench but I am of the opinion that we need an experienced backup goalkeeper. I think everybody's sort of in agreement with that, including the people at the club. Um, I think they are looking for an experienced backup goalkeeper. So, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, class and bench or even loan, I don't know. I think I think he'll be fine under the season in the under-23s. I don't think he's quite at the level where a loan to the championship or a loan to a... I, don't, I, I suppose the championship. I don't think he's quite at the level where that's necessary, unlike with, say, Cody Drama, etc., where they're too good for the 23s or 21s this season. Uh, they're too good for it, so they need a loan into senior football. I don't think Klaassen's quite there yet. Um, so I don't think playing in the 21s is going to be detrimental to his development at all. So I suppose bench um, slash 23s and we sign an experienced backup goalkeeper. As for the defenders, we'll start off with the new boy, Christiansen, Rasmus Christiansen, or Christensen, sorry. Um, start for me, I think he's, he's worlds ahead of Ailing. Um, I love Ailing, I love what he's done. I think he's built a career off the, well, not a career, but he's built success at Leeds off the back of sheer hard work and work rate and running. Um, and he's been he's been amazing for us, you know, in the in the championship and the first season in the Premier League. I think there was a. I, I think he has been a weak link for a while. Ever since we got to the Premier League, I've sort of identified that right-back spot as a weak link alongside the midfield. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ailing's been a good servant to the club, but Christensen is just, he's just clear of Ailing. He's just, in almost every department, every attribute, every, every in, even in terms of the system, Christensen is just better all around. Um, so for me, Christensen would be start and Ailing would be bench. So there we go. We've covered two bases. Next up on the list, I've got Junior Furpo bench. I think he's all right. There's a narrative going around at the moment that, or, or there was prior to his injury, quite a prominent narrative on Twitter at least, where a lot of people were saying Furpo's going to come good. He's going to be, you know, the next. I don't know. I think there's a lot of. Uh, Furpo underperformed in the first season, and I think he will will be better in this next season than he was last season. But I think when that is the case, a lot of people like to sort of overcompensate and and almost try to convince themselves by exaggerating how good they think Furpo is going to be. Um, I don't think he's going to be as good as people think. If, if you haven't seen the montage we made for Furpo, by the way, um, please go check that out. It's on the What Next Twitter. It's pretty insightful. It's all of his highlights, all of the positives regarding Junior Furpo last season. Um, and he did have some decent moments. He was robbed of, of quite a few assists by the lack of finishing. I mean, he wasn't good last season, and I think he does need to be benched and a replacement signed. But yeah, I, I just don't think that's... Or I think if I put this out like a week ago, I don't think it would have been a popular opinion. But following his, following his most recent injury, another injury to add to the list, I think uh, that opinion is not going to be too unpopular. And Furpo would make a solid backup left back. And uh, But yeah, he shouldn't be starting for me. 
Next on the list is Cody Drama, a nice, simple, easy one bench. Um, I think he's good enough to be a backup right back. Um, probably, I'd say he's on par with Ailing. I don't think Drama's as good as people think. Um, oh, in fact, that's harsh. That's harsh. Drama's very good. He's He's got a lot of potential. We did a montage for him again on the What Next Twitter. I just don't think he's quite ready for the step up to the Premier League just yet. I think potentially another season in the Championship would have done him good. I still think he needs to to build, bulk up a little bit, similar to Somerville, um, who we'll get onto later. But yeah, I think drama. He's not ready to start week in, week out. If Christensen and Ailing get injured, I think there'd be a lot of pressure on drama's shoulders. Um, but for me, bench or even loan. But yeah, I'd, I'd probably go with bench. Although I do think a loan could be very beneficial to him. Um, although maybe we can uh, sort of gradually give him more and more time in the first team, you know. But it's going to be another season where every game against lower opposition, you know, you sort of... Uh, the opposition in and around us, I think every game is going to be huge and we'll need to win every game. And I don't think there'll be much opportunity to really drop Christensen and put drama in there. Um, so it's going to be hard. Like, we're not like a team like Liverpool or City or even like Arsenal or Spurs where we can afford to drop our best players and let the young players sort of have a run out in the easier games. We're just not in a position to do that right now. It would it would be too risky. So it's, it's, it's difficult with drama. It's difficult. But I think because of the lack of depth we have in that position, because I don't really rate Ailing at the moment in the Premier League, I just don't think he's Premier League quality. I think having a good young backup would be beneficial to Leeds. So I'll say drama bench. Next on the list, we've got Robin Cock. For me, Robin Cock needs to start. I think he's had an amazing preseason. I think he's looked solid throughout the entirety of his preseason. He's sort of a mix between Yastroik and Yorente. He's sort of like, I'd say, Cock's um, abilities and his attributes fall somewhere in the middle where he's not quite as progressive as Yorente, but he's also, he's, he's just sort of in the middle. It's hard to explain what I'm getting at, but for me, he's sort of. He he has strikes the positive attributes from strike and the positive attributes from Yorente combined kind of make Robin Cock, right? Uh what Yorente is good at, Cock is very decent at, and what Strike's good at, Cock is very decent at. And their weaknesses sort of don't exist in Robin Cock. He's good in the air. I mean both of them are decent in the air to be fair, but um for example, Yorente is a little bit erratic, he's a little bit uh he can give the ball away too much. He can sometimes try to play passes that aren't on. Um, and he can look a little bit nervous sometimes at the back, especially I think he's uh, prone to being pressed as Urente, while Cock, for me, I think his decision-making is just better from the back. He knows when to go long. He knows the right passes to play. He's quick. He's agile. Um, he's, he's progressive. I just think that Cock's a really good centre-back and needs playing there um, ahead of Urente for me. As for So that's a right centre-back position. As for left centre-back uh Strike. I want Strike starting ahead of Cooper. I do really like Cooper. Again, we've got a montage out for Cooper. Check it out. He, he, he was very good last season. He was better than Strike last season. He was. Like, I'll say that a hundred percent. He was better than Strike. But I think Strike struggled for confidence. I think what we saw from Strike last season wasn't Strike at his best. He spent a lot of time in defensive midfield. He spent a lot of time at left back. I think he needs a long run of games at left centre back with Cooper fit and ready to come in for when strike does inevitably you know he's a young center back he'll have a drop off in form i'm sure he will there'll be times where like his confidence is low again 
And those are the times where I think Cooper needs to come in and uh, an experienced level head to come on the pitch. And again, something that's underestimated is the five subs. Um, five subs is going to be huge. We're going to see a lot more of, of a lot of players. It's not just going to be a sort of... Uh, you, you, Managers no longer need to be as conservatives with this, as, as conservative with their subs, right? It's going to be we're going to see a lot. Just I, I suppose I mean it goes without saying it's kind of common sense, but we're going to see a lot more substitutions. And uh, given the fact that they they have access to more, but I think it's going to be common that say a Liam Cooper will start, and within the 60th, 70th minute, strike might come on, or vice, or uh, the other way around. So uh, vice versa. So. I think it's not as important as people think. I think the centre-back who starts on that left side or if Cox starts on the right, strokes starts on the left, which would be my strongest back line. Um, I don't think it's a huge deal and I think there is room to change that. If one of them's underperforming or if one of them looks tired or if one of them gets injured, the the, the backup will be able to step up and uh, it'll be much more common that we see those sort of substitutions like for like. So that would be my... Uh, yeah, so Stroik would be start, Cooper would be bench, Llorente would be bench, although again, I think they're all interchangeable. I'd like to see them all play a big part next season. I don't think it's as big as a big of a deal as uh, as it was last season in terms of who starts and who's on the bench, because I think we'll see a lot of them all. It will be distributed quite evenly amongst the uh, the four of them. So yeah, that would be my, uh, that that's the defenders out of the way. So now let's move on to the midfielders, shall we? And we'll start with the two new boys, Rocker and Adams. Very simple, very easy, start both of them. Uh, we know Jesse Marsh likes to play double pivot, whether it's 4-2-2 or 4-2-3-1. Both of them include two midfielders, sort of uh, number six is there in a double pivot. And for me, the two strongest, or our strongest lineup, our strongest two, our strongest double pivot is Rocker and Adams. So for me, those two are a start, 100% guaranteed. Next on the list, we've got Dallas uh, Bench. He's going to be injured for a vast portion of next season. And then he's going to be lacking match sharpness, lacking match fitness. I don't think we could sell him even if we wanted to. And that's not a, that's not a slight on Dallas. It's just that I don't think many teams, whether Premier League, Championship, would be willing to take a risk on Dallas given his injury, given the uh, just given what the injury is, how long it'll take to recover, and whether he'll he'll be the same player again. Uh, where we're all unsure. So for me, obviously, his bench, or I suppose he won't be on the bench for a long time. But yeah, Dallas is a good squad player. Um, I don't quite think he's the standard of a regular starter in the Premier League, but I think in terms of a squad player, in terms of a depth player, Dallas is perfect, a really good utility man. I hope he recovers. I hope he can come back to be the player he was. Again, I wouldn't want Dallas starting in any position, left back, right back, back or centre mid, but I think he's perfect for a squad player, a good utility man. Could get some minutes on the board during the second half of the season, similar to Forshaw. And speaking of Forshaw, he's next on the list. And again, it would be bench for Forshaw. I know some, some people, some content creators like to bash Forshaw a lot. I don't think he's a I don't think he's again I don't think he's a standard of a regular Premier League player, but as a squad player, as a backup option, I think he's more than good enough. I think he's a tidy player, he's a safe option. He's someone who's who's not particularly prone to huge mistakes or howlers. It's very rare where you can look at a goal and say that it's entirely Forshaw's fault or an individual error on his part. He's just a safe good backup option, um experienced, composed Again, he has a lot of drawbacks. He's not the perfect midfielder, hence why I'd say bench him. But I think it would just be a, a weird move to sell him. I don't see the point in selling him. We're not going to get big money for him. Or in the context of a Premier League club, it's not going to be big money for him. Um, and he's not 
bad enough to a point where you wouldn't want him playing at all. Like, he's a good option off the bench in, say, the 70th minute. Um, if Leeds are 1-2-0 up, I'd, I'd be more than happy for Forshaw to come on and sort of slow the game down, steady the ship, um, keep hold of possession and sort of see out see out games. I think he's a really good player for seeing out games. Um and he's sort of a good light for like for uh, Tyler Adams. I think with Rocker, the backup will be Click. So if Rocker comes off, Click will come on. And if Adams comes off, I think it'll be for Forshaw. I think those players are sort of a similar ilk. I'd say Adams is just a better version of Forshaw, and Rocker is just a way better version than Click. Um, and speaking of Click, we can we can move on to him next, Mateus Click. I would actually sell Click. I know that this is unpopular. I know this goes against what I said about Forshaw. And maybe at this stage in the season, in the transfer window, it's probably too late. Um, so maybe selling Click isn't the best idea right now. But if this was the start of the window, I would have said to sell Click because I do still think there's some value in him. I think he could go to somewhere like Spain and still perform at a decent level. I mean, the drop off in La Liga is quite large compared to the Premier League in terms of outside of like the top six. Um, the teams below the top six out in La Liga are much worse than the teams outside the top six in the Premier League. Um, the quality in the Premier League is just higher, I think, outside of the top six than any other division, including, you know, Bundesliga, La Liga and all, all of those sort of leagues. I think the Premier League, the drop-off is is less significant. Um, while it is still significant, don't get me wrong, especially outside of the top four, Click, I think, would, would still do well in, in, in say, La Liga um, or even out in Italy or France or... Poland potentially I don't know I mean he's Polish but yeah I think we could have got something for him whether I'm talking I'm talking like four five six million even that might be a push but yeah I would have sold him but he's a decent squad player and I'm not just saying this to bash click I think if this was under Bielsa I would certainly say to keep click on the books keep him as a bench player as a squad player but I just don't think he suits his Jesse Marsh system at all he's he, he doesn't have the defensive capabilities to be in the double pivot and I don't think he has the offensive capabilities to be a sort of uh, attacking midfielder on the right or left side. I think his shooting is quite poor. His pressing is very good. He's a good player off the ball, but his tackle's weak. His tackling is sort of weak. His shots are extremely weak. Um, he's decent in terms of progressive carries, but yeah, for me, I just don't. I just don't see him fitting into this Marsh system at all. I think there are some Premier League clubs and some Premier League systems which could f could accommodate Click as a squad player, but I just don't think Jesse Marsh is one of them. So for me, Click would have been sell, but I suppose for now, he would be bench. Next on the list is Dan James. For me, he's a bench player. Um, we spent a lot of money on him. I, I don't even like to think about it because it, it hurts how much we spent on Dan James. But, I mean, he's not awful. He's not as he's not as bad as people make out to an extent. I think seeing him on the pitch with Brandon Aronson has sort of uh, put into context that, like, for me, just seeing Aronson on the pitch in preseason alongside Dan James has kind of put into context how much better Aronson is than Dan James. I thought they sort of... They, they, they kind of remind me of each other. They're kind of similar players, in my opinion. Aronson is just sort of... He's like a... He's like a Dan... I don't know... Sort of his build, I'm not saying that they're entirely similar as players, but I mean his physical attributes, his build, his body type, I think he's similar to James in a lot of ways. Um, but 
when I see them side by side, I think I've been very impressed with Aronson. And I think it's almost insulting to compare him to Dan James to some extent, which sounds very, very harsh on James, who I think can do a job for us off the bench. Again, the five sub rule is important. Harrison, I think, and Sinistera will be decent starter, starter players. Um, and for me, Dan James is a backup to either of them two. For example, Sinistera is... Or, I don't know why I said it like that. I'm trying to say it all... Uh, the foreign pronunciation, the correct pronunciation, I suppose, but it just sounds a bit weird coming from someone from Yorkshire. But uh, yeah, when Sinistera is injured, James is a good option to start, a good option off the bench. He can tire out uh, opposition fullbacks or he can come on when they're tired, get in behind them, but he just doesn't fit the Jesse Marsh system yet again. I think under Bielsa, James would have been someone who I'd say, yeah, he's a decent squad player. Under Marsh, I just struggle to see... Where he fits in. Dan James is a player who thrives in open space. He's someone who he like. He's very good in straight lines. He likes to knock the ball past a player and run onto it. In the Marsh system, it's very narrow. It's very compact. And the more technically gifted players thrive in this system. It's all about close control, fast feet, uh, which is why I think Sinister and Harrison are much better suited. I think they've got better close control. I think they've, they're better. At, um, They've just got better, they're more agile, they've got better balance than James. I think for me, again, James is rapid in straight lines, but when it actually comes to switching directions, so it, like if he's, you know, weaving in and out of players, I don't actually think James is that quick. He looks kind of, uh, he's almost too quick for his own good to a point where he can't change directions very fast. When he's sprinting, it's going to take him four, five, six steps to slow himself down to be able to turn. While with Harrison, it's going to take one or two steps and he's gone, he's, he's, he's running in the other direction. Um, so I think James will struggle under Marsh. I don't really see a spot for him. So for me, James would be sell. Um, but again, it might be a little bit too late in the transfer window for that. But that is what I would have said at the beginning of the window. But again, with it being so late in the window and it almost impossible to line up a replacement at this point, I suppose James would have to be a bench player. Next on the list is Harrison. Um, this is a hard one. He's sort of... It will be start or bench. I know this is going to be unpopular because a lot of people really like Harrison. I don't think he's as good as he's been made out to be recently. I think there has been a lot of uh, people not remembering quite how he performed last season because it is very true that his form comes in batches. And I'm not saying that he's not good enough. I'm not saying that he's not prem quality. I'm saying that he's inconsistent. I'm saying that he's a confidence player. He was very good behind closed doors. But when the fans were in the stadium, he had he had some very barren runs. There were I remember there was a stage in the season where he went he got a, a a match rating of six six out of ten for like twelve to fifteen games in a row. He and then he finds form and he sort of builds on that and his goals and assists come in batches. I know a lot of people like to take sort of stats out of context to an extent, where with Harrison. He does get a lot of goal contributions and he does get a lot of goals, but you know he's almost been comparable to Rafinha in in that in in that one isolated stat. But when you look at chances created, when you look at progressive carries, when you look at the sort of more uh, specific stats, Harrison is 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 miles away from from Rafinha. And as much as he's had the goal contributions, I think if we had a striker last season, the difference would have been would have been much bigger. Uh, between Rafinha and Harrison. Harrison is a decent player. There's a lot of potential there. I think he suits the Jesse Marsh system. I know a lot of people see Harrison as a touchline-hugging winger, but for me, I think he can thrive in the uh, narrow, closed spaces. I think he's got really good close control. He's a little bit indecisive. I think Sinistera is a better player. I think Aronson is a better player. So, to summarise, in a 4 2 
I would not start Harrison. I would have Sinistera on the left and Aronson on the right. But in a 4-2-3-1, I'd have Aronson in the middle. I would have Harrison on the left and Sinistera on the right. So Harrison would start in a 4-2-3-1, but in a 4-2-2, I would actually have Harrison as a bench option. Next up, we've got Archie Gray in midfield. I've got him down as a midfielder just because it seems that that's what Marsh likes to play. And this is one of the arguments for why I think I would have sold Click. Because Archie Gray is, is for everyone knows, you know, he... It's all very common sense stuff. If you've seen Archie Gray play, which we all have during preseason, and I'm really glad, by the way, that he's not. It's not a long-term injury. But all of this has been said. Um, it's sort of a boring topic. Archie has recovered from the injury. Terrible challenge from uh, McGinn. But yeah, for me, it would be bench for Archie Gray. But I do want to see a lot more of him. I want to see as much Archie Gray as we can next season. If we can accommodate him, I would honestly play him above. Uh, ahead of the likes of Click, which is why I said to sell Click as well. I forgot to mention at the time when I was making the point, but I think he's sort of a block for Archie Gray, who fits the system better. I think Gray is much better in the in the number six role than Click, and he's better as an attacking midfielder than Click. Um, and he's much, much, much younger than Click as well. I think we on the, I think Archie Gray is 16, while Click is 32, I believe, or somewhere around there. I think it is 32. So, I mean, the difference is... Uh, ridiculous <laughs> it's he's literally like half clicks age which is insane and to say that in my opinion i, I think actually great outperf- has outperformed click during pre-season it's a no-brainer really i want to see him play as much as possible but he is a bench option i think it was interesting i saw a tweet not long ago where somebody saw marsh out in public and and, and had a conversation with him and marsh said that archie gray is world class and he's and he wants gray to start lots of games next season which i think was very interesting and i think that's one of the reasons we haven't signed a third midfielder i hear a lot of content creators you know one leads fan channel kg kg vision who have all said that they want at least to sign an additional midfielder um, alongside Rocker and Adams. For me, I think the reason we haven't done that, A, is obviously financial limitations, but B, is Archie Gray. I think we, we don't want to sign someone who's going to block Archie Gray because he has a, he is at that level now where he can come in off the bench, he can start games when uh, Rocker and Adams are injured. Um, and for me, yeah, I want to see as much as of Archie Gray as possible, but off the bench. I think I already covered Aronson, but the the long and short of it is start. I've been very, very, very impressed with him during preseason. I love what I look. I was very concerned about Aronson in the sense that I thought in the Premier League, especially. Um, and I know it's almost it's almost become a cliche. It's almost become a cop out to say that the uh, players coming from abroad are going to struggle with the physicality of the Premier League. It's it's just become a just a standardised thing to say about foreign players, it seems, or young foreign players. But that was a genuine concern of mine in regards to Aronson. Because I think he's still got that sort of... Uh, he's very skinny. He's not He's not the biggest. He's. Uh, but having watched him against, against Palace especially, I saw a lot of uh, positive signs in terms of his physicality. I like the way he uses his body. He's not the biggest built player, but he uses his body very well. I like it. He faints a lot. Um he can sort of wrong foot defenders and, and skip past them. I like Aronson. I think he's going to be a really good player for us. And I don't think he's going to get bullied and crowded out of games as much as I thought he would when we initially signed him. I did think that might be an issue with Aronson. I was concerned that, again, that he'd get bullied and crowded out of games and might struggle in the Prem. 
But having seen him against Palace, it's filled me with a lot of hope because I've seen the sort of physical attributes I look for in an attacking midfielder. I've seen the physical attributes I look for in a player who's press resistant, who's progressive on the ball, who's decisive. I, I just I really like Aronson all round, and I, I think he needs to start in four triple two or four two three one. He's sort of a hybrid on attacker slash midfielder. So we are moving on to attackers now. And next in line, I've got Patrick Bamford. In a 4 2 I would start Bamford. In a 4 one I would bench Bamford for hopefully, fingers crossed, Charles Di Ketelari. Um As many of you may have noticed, the, the name of the episode is Judgment Day. The reason for that is because today's the day that we are hopefully going to find out whether or not Charles Di Ketelari is going to sign for AC Milan or Leeds United. Or... or Maybe not, maybe not, uh, it's not going to be that decisive, but we are going to find out whether or not he's going to sign for AC Milan to an extent. And there has been a lot of reports coming out saying that AC Milan are going to move on from Charles Di Ketelare. I've also heard a rumour out on Twitter uh, reported by 90 Min, is the, the name of the publication, which aren't the most reliable in the world, although they have got some scoops right about Leeds and a lot, and, and they have said that Leeds have actually upped their bid, which, I mean, it doesn't sound logical given the fact that Club Bruges accepted our previous bid, but what the theory is behind it is that Leeds had a bid accepted. AC Milan have come in and put in a bid that's only two or three million less than Leeds bid. Bruges have rejected it, but they're coming very, very close to what Leeds Leeds bid for Charles de Ketelari. So what has been reported by 90 Min is that Leeds have upped their bid further to make the AC Milan bid seem even less desirable and essentially price them out of the move, which is crazy. Leeds pricing out AC Milan of, out of the move. So we actually had the bid accepted and we've gone in and put more money on on top of the current bid in order to price AC Milan out further, and it's gone from them being three or four million short of Leeds bid to them being six or seven million short of Leeds bid, which might force De Ketelare's hand. And I know a lot of people have said that he doesn't want to come to Leeds. I know for a fact that's not true. There's a reason we've held out for him. There's a reason we're still uh, in talks, or not in talks with him, but there's a reason we're holding out. And it's because the the... The noise that has been coming from De Ketelare's camp is that he wants to join AC Milan ideally, but if it comes to staying at Club Bruges or going to Leeds, he would choose Leeds. So if we can price Milan out of the deal, De Ketelare will come to Leeds United 100%. I think there's a 0% possibility that he stays at Bruges. It's Leeds or Milan. And if we've upped our bid further to a point that it prices out Milan, where Club Bruges have said, listen... Maybe we could have accepted it for the sake... If Charles de Ketelare wants to go to AC Milan, uh, Club Bruges could have said, you know, listen, it's three or four million euros less than Leeds bid. It, it's not ideal, but for the sake of de Ketelare, we'll accept. But now, Lee, if Leeds have put in this additional money on top of the current bid, Milan... I mean, Bruges, there's, there's no way they can accept a deal from Milan that's eight or nine million less than what Leeds have put in. So it is possible that we've priced them out of the deal and Charles de Ketelare comes to Leeds ahead of Bamford. So that's why in a 4-2-3-1, I would bench Bamford and play Charles de Ketelare. Um, but if he doesn't come to Leeds, I would I would play Bamford. I would start Bamford. Um, or if it's Callum Wendo in a 4-2-3-1, I would still play Bamford. And in a 4-2-2, I would still play Bamford. For me, the one attacker, of all the attackers we've been linked to, Martin Terrier, um, Callum Wendo, Charles de Ketelare, um, the one that I would guarantee a start ahead of Bamford would be Charles de Ketelare. Um, but for me, Bamford could potentially start ahead of Callum Wendo or even Martin Terrier, possibly. Um, I'd need to see more of him before making my mind up on that. But 
in a 4 triple 2 Bamford starts regardless. Uh, next on the list is Rodrigo. Interesting bench, like ideally sell. Um, I like him as a person. He's got a good attitude, I feel. I know a lot of people seem to think he's lazy. I don't think he's lazy. I just think he doesn't have the gas tank for the Premier League. Um, I think he works as hard as his engine allows um, or his physical, you know. I just think that he struggles. I just think he's not cut out for the Premier League. He's not cut out for the intensity of the Premier League. Um, I don't think it's an attitude problem. I don't think he's lazy. I don't think he downed tools um, during the second half of last season. I just think he was low on confidence and he didn't have the stamina to press the way that he needed to. And as, again, I don't think he has the stamina for the Jesse Marsh system. I think the Jesse Marsh system is almost equally as intense as the Bielsa system. I know the Bielsa system is insanely intense, but I'm talking... Uh, Bielsa's training is much more intense than Marsh's training, but in terms of the system itself on the pitch on a match day... I think they probably put up similar numbers in terms of running, in terms of pressing, um, especially because Marsh teams spend a lot less time in possession. Uh, there's a lot more running after the ball. There's a lot more counter-pressing. Um, and I just don't think Rodrigo's cut out for it. Um, he's just not a counter-pressing player. He's not a Premier League player. I think he would benefit from a move to Spain where there's it's less intense. There's more space for him to use his technical ability because he does have decent technical ability. He does have a beautiful pass on him sometimes. He's always trying to find that Hollywood pass. He never really plays the simple ball, which can be frustrating. But yeah, for me, I just, I just don't think he's cut out for the Premier League, especially under Jesse Marsh. And I would sell Rodrigo and uh, ideally replace him. But again, we're getting late into the transfer window. It doesn't look like that's what we're going to do. And it's probably too late to do that now. So again, as was a similar story with James, I would bench him, I suppose. Um, but I certainly wouldn't want him starting ahead of Brendan Aronson, Harrison or Sinistera. Next on the list, we've got Joe Gelhart. Gelhart, for me, is bench or start. Um, I, would, I would be more than happy. I want him to get way more game time than he got last season, but we need options. He's, he's still very young. He's still very raw. Something that I think has gone understated is in a 4 2 I would like to see Gelhart on the right-hand side of the, uh, the right attacking midfielder. Uh, so the position that is currently, or that was played by Rafinha, or that is likely going to be played by Sinistera next season, I would like to see Gelhart in that position more. I think he, there's certain attributes he lacks for a striker to lead the line on his own. I, I would have concerns about Gelhart leading the line in a 4-2-3-1. I think he's better in a front two. Gelhart and Bamford, big and small, I think would work very well. Or in a 4 triple 2 he would also work as a right-sided attacking midfielder, cutting into his left. Um, if you remember the goal against West Ham, he was in that sort of space. He was occupying that position where he was on the, the right-hand side. I think it was against West Ham. Oh, was it Villa? I think it was West Ham, where he cut into his left foot, putting a, the ball where Dan James got up. Oh, no, it was against Villa, because I think Dan James won the header against Mings, um, where I think it was Gelhart put the ball in with his left foot, curled it, and... Dan James got up, won the header, um, the keeper saved it, and then it, it went up into the air and bobbled over the line. Gelhart sort of, he's very good at occupying that space. It's a position where you can run at defenders, you can drive into defenders, you can be involved, sure, in build-up play, link-up play. Um, and for me, I think he'd be very good there, and I think I want to see him in that position more and more um, as a sort of attacking midfielder, as well as a striker. And I think that could be a way for him to get onto the pitch more, for sure, um, in, in this Jesse Marsh system. 
Next on the list, I've got Greenwood. He is under the attacker bracket, but he has played as a number six under Marsh a lot. He would be bench, simple as that. Not much more to say. I would have him on the bench. But I'm happy to see him come on. I like his passing a lot. I think he's got very good passing technique. He's just a little bit susceptible to the press and uh, lacks physicality, given the fact he's a young player. So I would like to see him on the bench, maybe coming on for, for cameos in the 70th minute onwards. Um, yeah, I think he's done well. I think he's done well under Marsh as a number six. And uh, yeah, I think I think that that's all that really needs to be said on Greenwood. Um, I hope I didn't say Mason Greenwood. I think I said Sam Greenwood, right? If I said Mason Greenwood, I apologise. It's Sam Greenwood. Uh, I don't even think I did say that, but yeah. Next on the list is Somerville, Crescentio. Somerville, um, here's a controversial one. I would say loan. I, I think Somerville needs a loan in the championship. Um I also forgot about Lewis Bate, haven't I? Lewis Bate isn't on the list. Um, I guess we can track back to Lewis Bate. I would also loan out Lewis Bate. I think Lewis Bate needs a loan. Um, as did Shackleton, who's obviously gone to Millwall. As has Cresswell, who escaped. Obviously, he's not in the squad anymore. But Cresswell, I would have also put down as loan. But uh, for me, yeah, Somerville needs a loan. I think um, he's not ready for first-team Premier League football. He had a decent few cameos last season. He's a very promising player. I like Somerville a lot. I think his raw talent, his raw ability, his ability on the ball, his technical ability, and his ability in open space are all fantastic. I think he's one for the future. He's a great player, but... He needs to work on his physicality. He needs to bulk up. He needs to get on the on a calorie surplus, uh, build his body up, and uh, I think he, he should do that alongside getting some experience in the championship. Um, so for me, I would I would loan him to a championship club and let him build his confidence and just ball out in the championship. Because I don't think he's ready to play ahead of Sinistera. Definitely not. I don't think he's ready to play of Harrison um, and. I don't think he's ready to play ahead of Dan James. I don't I don't rate Dan James that highly, but I think Dan James can put in better performances than uh, Somerville, just given the fact that Somerville is so young and raw and the main concern with him is physicality. He's very easily nudged off the ball. He's easily crowded out. Um, and again, it sounds I'm sort of saying all the negatives. I really like Somerville. I think he could be a, a player who starts for us within the next two or three seasons. I just don't think he's ready for it yet. Similar story with Lewis Bate. I think they will benefit from loans in the championship. Um, yeah, that's that's essentially it. Next on the list is our final uh, player. On the list is Helder Costa. Nice and easy sell. Uh, I don't want him on the bench. I don't want him as a squad player. I don't think he's good enough. He was half decent in the championship, but not quite good enough. I would sell Helder Costa, without a doubt, probably to Spain, Port, I don't know, and anywhere really. Whatever we can get for him, I would, I would sell him for. And he's got a decent agent who will hopefully get him his move. Um, next on the agenda is I want to say what my ideal starting eleven would be. Um, I'm sure you could, if you if you think about it long enough, you could figure it out. Given what I've said about the, because uh, I've gone over every single player, whether I'd start them or not. So we'll we'll go over it quickly. In a fortable two, the left back, I would want a new signing with the backup being Junior Furpo. Left centre, and, and we are going for a new left back. By the way, if anyone's unsure about that, that is that is set in stone. Hopefully, we're going to sign one by the end of the window. We are interested in doing that, as Jesse Marsh said. We are actively pursuing left back options. So there you go. But yeah, goalkeeper Melier um, with an experienced backup left back, new signing with a backup of Furpo. Left centre back Pascal Stroik with the backup of Cooper. But I would like them to both play a pretty even amount of games. Um, and then the season after, I would like Stroik to be set in stone. Stroik is the left centre back. But for the, for the next for this season coming up, I think Stroik and Cooper can. Uh, Delegate work onto each other nicely. Right centre-back, Robin Cock with Llorente as the backup, which I don't think Marsh is going to do, by the way. 
Um, it seems that Marsh really likes Llorente. Those are the vibes I get from his press conferences from the starting 11s. I think Llorente is a favourite of Jesse Marsh. He's not a favourite for me. Um, I don't actively dislike him. I still think he's decent. I think if he doesn't get injured, um, which hopefully he doesn't get injured as much, given Cock, well, I would want Cock to have a more active role um, at right centre-back. But if he doesn't get injured, I think Llorente is a good backup option for a Premier League club. I think he does have flaws. He does have drawbacks. But as a, as a backup to Cock, I think that's that's very positive. Um, as, at right-back, I'd have Christensen with Drama and Ailing as backup. Um, which one plays? Say Christensen gets injured, who would I play, Ailing or Drama? I'm not too sure. Again, check out the drama montage. He was very good for Cardiff. Not as good as often made out. I think, again, I had to, to make that montage. I watched every single action that drama made last season. And that's the same as well, by the way, for um, everyone who I've made a montage for. Cooper, drama, um well, so I've done quite a few. I've almost I've almost lost count, but I had to watch every Junior Furpo. I watched every single action they made last season for their club. Um, so I think I've got good perspective on them. Um, so yeah, I think Drame, I, I did notice some patterns, some negative patterns, some things that I wasn't too fond of about his game, um, which obviously don't show in a highlight reel. Obviously, you cut out the negative, the negative sides. But for me, yeah, him and Ailing, Drama and Ailing are at a similar level. I would say Ailing is just... <laughs> slightly edging it although i'm not ailing's biggest fan i'll be honest i think ailing has a lot of flaws a lot of his passes go out for, for throw-ins um he's not the best defensively i think he's almost a hologram in defense but i don't just want to come in here in here and sort of uh rip into the players because i do like ailing i think he's done a really good job his work rate his athleticism is all all very positive but yeah i think him and drama are a very similar level um left center mid i have rocker right center mid adams again um the backup for Rocker would be Click. The backup for Adams would be Forshaw. Um, and the backup for Rocker as well would be Archie Gray, who I always forget to mention. I would actually put Archie Gray ahead of Click in the pecking order, as mentioned earlier. So for me, left centre mid would be Rocker, right centre mid Adams. The backup to Rocker would be Gray, then Click. The backup to Adams would be Forshaw, then Click. Um, left mid, Sinistera, right mid, Aronson. This is in a 4 triple 2 um, Yeah, I'd play Aronson on the sort of right attacking midfield with the backup being Joe Gelhart. And I'll play Sinistera on the left attacking midfield with the backup being Harrison. Left striker, Bamford. Right striker, Charles Diketalare. Um, The backup for the right striker position would be Joe Gelhart. And yeah, in a 4-2-3-1, it would be Melier. New signing left back. The same back line. New signing left back. Left centre back, Stroik. Right centre back, Cock. Right back, Christiansen. Same things apply in terms of the, of the backups. Same again in midfield. It's the, the same double pivots so of Rocker and Tyler Adams. Left mid, I would start Harrison. Right mid, I would start Sinistera. And attacking midfield, I would sign Aronson. Notice Rodrigo is not in any of these starting 11s. Um, and as striker, it will be Di Ketelare, assuming we sign him, which which maybe we will, maybe we won't. Or it'll be Bamford. And then the backup to that would be Gelhart, who can also play in attacking mid or right mid, as mentioned previously. But that sums up everything that I wanted to touch on in this in this episode. If you don't remember from earlier, there's going to be an episode every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I know that it's not quite as engaging as other content creators who have a webcam. I don't intend to get a webcam at the moment. I'm uh, not too fond of that, I think. But again, if you just put this on, have it playing in the background, play some football manager, or just listen to it in the car, on the radio, whatever. Just treat it as a podcast. Um, maybe you'll enjoy it. I mean, I know solo podcasts aren't the most po popular 
Um, but we'll see how it goes. I'll uh, stick to it as best as I can. And hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Please give me your opinions. I love to read comments. Um, comments for me are like the biggest thing. Um, I love to read them. I love to see your opinions. I love to see where people disagree so that we can discuss it and, and have... And, open each other's minds maybe we can change each other's minds i know i'm a very open-minded person i'm not someone who's just gonna hold the opinion that suits my agenda i'm, I'm very open to change for example for a lot of time i've been saying i think strike is worlds ahead of cooper and then i made the cooper montage where i watched every action cooper made in a lead shirt last season and i've actually changed my mind and i do think that cooper is slightly ahead of strike in terms of ability, I just think that for the years to come, Strike is younger, more potential. I like his uh, physical attributes more. I think he's got weight. I think his ceiling is much, much higher than Liam Cooper's ceiling. I think Liam Cooper's reached his ceiling while Strike is, is some ways away from his ceiling. But I think at current, at this current moment in time, Cooper is the better player. Um, but that won't last for long, in my opinion. But either way, we're sort of waffling now. That does conclude the episode. Episode 1, Judgment Day, um, which is a reference, as mentioned earlier, to Charles de Quetelara choosing Milan or Leeds, or I guess Club Bruges choosing Milan or Leeds. But yeah, that sums it up. I hope to see you in the next one. It's been fun. And uh, thank you for listening. If you got this far, if you have got this far, make sure to leave a like on the video as that means it boosts it to more people who watch similar content to yourself. So that will be very helpful for me. Make sure to follow the Twitter. Uh, my my Twitter is LBFootballBlog or the What Next Twitter is what at WhatNextLUFC. Link in the description. Um, this will be on Spotify, Apple Music, I think. I think it's Apple Music or Apple Podcasts and YouTube. Uh, so make sure to check it out. And yeah, we'll see you in the next one. Goodbye.